0: Guys, welcome to the final post game live of the season here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper, hit the notification bell so you know every single time we go live, and of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Oh man, oh man, we have a new NBA champion, the Denver Nuggets. Live tonight from Los Angeles. As always, super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Let's get right into it. The last live of the NBA season. And by the way, I see some of you guys, 10 of you on Twitter. Please do me a favor and get off the Twitter. Come to the YouTube link right below the tweet that you're watching. I just posted it because that's where we make our money over here. So come to the Twitter. So I had to delete the tweet. I'm sorry, come to the YouTube. But let's get right into it, guys. So before I talk about the whole big picture thing, the Nuggets winning the championship, I'm going to just talk about the game real quick. I absolutely loved the defensive intensity on both sides in this game. It was amazing. Both teams were giving every single thing that they've got. And Miami set the tone with their physicality defensively. They were fighting over every single Jokic screen so hard. Van was showing for just a second, but they were relying on guys like Jimmy Butler, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess even to fight over the top of those screens and be in the rear view for Jamal Murray and different Nuggets players. And they forced four turnovers in the first three minutes of the game. But again, they did not take enough advantage, in my opinion, early on when they were getting so many stops. And a large reason to start the game, again, Jokic was pretty deep in drop coverage, except for against Duncan Robinson, sometimes Max Strews, and Kyle Lowry. But for Jimmy Butler, for Gabe Vincent, he would back off. And Jimmy Butler, again, was passing up those mid-ranges to start the game. So many good looks. Even Jeff Van Gundy was calling it out in commentary. Gabe Vincent was cold to start the game. But Max Struess, I thought he was phenomenal in this game. On both ends of the floor, he gave everything he had. He had eight points in the first quarter. And the Miami Heat were very aggressive. Aaron Gordon got two fouls. Nikola Jokic got two fouls. And his second one was a foolish charge attempt in transition. And when Jokic came out of the game... Bam got Jeff Green on him multiple times, and he went right into his body. Quick jab steps, rip throughs to the rim. I loved how aggressive Bam was in the first quarter to make up for Jimmy's lack of aggression. And kind of, it's kind of been a theme of this series. Bam Adebayo has been the more aggressive one, and you saw that early on in the game. And I again, the Heat were playing such good defense, but they weren't creating enough separation to me because Jimmy and Gabe Vincent mainly, they couldn't score enough. And the Heat started to go zone when the Nuggets put DeAndre Jordan in the game because they couldn't fully go small with Aaron Gordon since both of them were in foul trouble. DeAndre Jordan came in the game, and you in this one, you saw the Heat revert back to that zone. I talked about in the last live Why did the Heat go away from their zone? It didn't fully feel like the Nuggets had countered it super well. And tonight, we saw them have some success with that zone again. And when DJ was in the game especially, he's not going to do anything in the middle of the floor. So when he's in the high post, he's not even looking at the basket. You're chilling as the defense. So you were starting to see the Heat get some stops. Murray started the game very cold. Jokic in the beginning of the game was doing what he's normally done in these playoffs of not being super aggressive to start, focusing on being a screener more than that. And the Nuggets were switching one through four as they have all series long. And again, it's disappointing to me when Jimmy Butler is not abusing those matchups. But the Heat were letting Vincent guard Murray. Besides Butler, they were not letting Duncan Robinson switch on to him. As far as Denver, MPJ... Got off to a decent start, even though he could not hit the three ball the entire first half. Nobody could for Denver, but he was able to cut to the basket and create some easy shots for himself, just flashing into open spaces, crashing the offensive glass, and just finding other ways to impact the game. I thought defensively was pretty solid as well. But bam, was the story of the first quarter for me. 14 points and six rebounds on six for 11 in the first. Six for 11 in the first. So he was aggressive. A couple of those were on tip attempts, but you just like to see that. Jimmy Butler was not like that in the first quarter, and the Heat led 24 to 22 after one, but it reminded me too much of game four, and the Nuggets were still right there. The Heat went up by 10 in the second quarter. They outscored the Nuggets by seven without Jokic. As I said, Jamal Murray was not knocking down shots, so they were able to take advantage of that, and I thought three guys that came off the bench and give the Heat gave the Heat a great burst were Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, and Kyle Lowry. Duncan Robinson coming off screens, attacking closeouts fairly well, and there was one really nice finish he had. Caleb Martin, also attacking closeouts really well. Amazing effort on defense, throwing himself at loose balls. He was everywhere. And then Kyle Lowry, his defense was so good. Even in moments where he had to switch on to bigger guys, he was holding his own and having moments of active hands and making smart decisions offensively, just spreading the wealth, being a true point guard, and even hitting some shots himself, including two straight threes when the Nuggets had kind of restored some order with Jokic back in the game. And by the way, Aaron Gordon picked up his third foul in that second quarter, and the refs were really being harsh on Denver for a stretch of the game, but I was confident that it was going to even out at some point. Jamal Murray picked up his second foul, and it wasn't a foul. It was a pretty clean strip of Jimmy Butler. But Bruce Brown and KCP were able to pick up the slack. Brown was elevating at the rim really well, really good defense as always, making hustle plays. And KCP on both in the Both ends of the floor was also solid. Also want to give a shout out in the first half or throughout the game, really. Jamal Murray stood up to the task defensively, and he really did all playoffs. You know, we thought that Jamal was this bad defender, but he really wasn't a bad defender. Yes, he was the guy that they wanted to attack. You can say the same thing about Jokic. They wanted to attack him. He's not as good of a defender as Aaron Gordon, MPJ, or KCP. But he stood up to the task all playoffs long, and he was switched on to Jimmy Butler throughout this series, and he completely held his own. Talking about another guy who held his own and was fantastic again tonight, Christian Brown. What an amazing season he had. What an amazing series he had with Game 3 being the one that stood out. But again tonight, really solid defense, active on the offensive glass. There was one offensive rebound he had where he went up to the stars, grabbed it, it, put the ball on the floor, I, if, if I recall correctly, but he went up strong and scored uh, with two heat bodies around him. And the, the Nuggets were able to restore some order. But then Kyle Lowry with two straight threes, and the Nuggets were just ice cold. Even, even with Jokic in the middle of the floor, they were breaking down the zone, but they were not hitting their open shots. They were 1 for 15 from deep in the first half and had 10 turnovers. Murray played the enti- like almost the entire first half and then finally when Jokic can come back in the game, he took a little bit of a rest. But as I was thinking as a Heat if I were a Heat fan at the time, Jimmy needs to get going because Bam had 18 points and 9 rebounds at halftime. Jimmy's defense was great though, I want to say that. Active in the passing lanes, really aggressive on the ball, but they just needed more from him offensively to finish the job or should i say just kind of create separation because the nuggets were still right there and in terms of the nuggets they were getting a lot of good looks and missing but i thought the main thing in the second half was staying out of foul trouble and getting Jokic the ball more one-on-one because in the first halves he can really be like i don't want to say passive but he just lets the game come to him and tries to get everybody else going by being a screener but you knew in the second half to close this out you were going to need a more of a one-on-one, give the ball to Jokic and see what he can do kind of performance. And in the second quarter, the Heat outscored the Nuggets 27-22 to to take a 51-44 lead into the half. I mean, up seven at halftime, but with the 10 turnovers and the one for 15 from deep and knowing what Murray and Jokic have done in second halves of these playoffs, I still was not feeling too confident about the Miami Heat getting this win. And in the third quarter, the Heat, in the fourth, they did it even more. But in the third quarter, you started seeing the Heat switch a decent amount on the Jokic pick and roll. Even Vincent Butler, the smaller guys on a Jokic, and Jokic was starting to take advantage. MPJ still hitting that push shot, still being active. And the Nuggets were starting to feed Jokic more, and he was taking advantage. But on the other end, one thing that was big for Miami was that Gabe Vincent started to get going. Coming off those screens, as I said, Jokic was dropping fairly deep. He had to hit those mid-ranges. Now, mind you, the Nuggets players do an amazing job in the point of attack fighting over the screens and getting that rear view contestant. And they were no different tonight. So it prevents Jokic from having to come up Too much more often than not. And Gabe Vincent, though, was finally making them pay. But Jokic, yeah, I already said, he was only stepping up really on Lowry, Robinson, and sometimes Strews, especially when it was a dribble handoff going on in the wing. But Jimmy Butler was still missing, and so were the Nuggets. They were not able to hit a three. And then the guy who I think made the difference in terms of changing momentum for Denver was Michael Porter Jr. That full-speed... Behind his back, between his legs, layup was incredible. And then the transition three, it was the first three in so long for Denver. Felt like it kind of lifted the roof off the place, and they were able to take the lead. But Cal Lowry hit a big three to get the two-for-one at the end of the third. And going into the fourth quarter, the Heat were up 71-70. to 70. And now they, the Nuggets outscored the Heat 26-20 to 20 in the third. And again... Three straight quarters, if you're the Miami Heat, you hold the Nuggets to under 30 points, even in Denver, you keep them out of transition, and you're still only up by one point going into the fourth quarter. A large reason, Jimmy Butler continuing to pass up shots, the constant need to have to jump stop and go off those two feet starting to hurt him massively. And then you're thinking, when he does shoot, he's not getting much elevation. The injury really feels like a thing. But again, we can't make excuses because we've seen him still ball out, even with that injury. And a lot of it's just decision-making. He's got to go up. But anyway, to start the fourth quarter, only a one-point game. Miami in the lead. Cody Zeller came in for a brief second to give Bam Adebayo some relief. He missed a tip and i forget what happened on the other end i think murray hit a 3 and then the the heat immediately called timeout with the score 75 to 71 to get bam back in the game And that's when it started to seem like it was slipping away for the heat. Jimmy was missing everything. Bam was missing chippies around the rim. And I got to give Jokic a lot of credit. He was doing a really good job containing in that pick and roll. He was doing a decent job. Now, you can tell me if you think he was getting away with fouls or not. But he was doing a decent job of just getting his body into the guard, just kind of leaning on them and just doing a decent job moving his feet but kind of leaning on them and staying on their hip so that they couldn't just go up and get a foul. And the way the refs were calling the game – They were letting them play. They wouldn't have given him a foul if they had leaned in and tried to just throw up some bullshit. In the regular season, they probably would give that. But in the playoffs or tonight in the finals, it did not seem like they were giving something like that. And so I thought Jokic did a really good job of getting into the body of guards even when he was called up and preventing shots at the rim. You know, One thing about Jokic, he may not be the quickest in the world. He doesn't get off the ground. But in terms of knowing his body, knowing angles, and just trying to make life tough for the bigs by just – making their shot attempts or potential shots hard as hard as possible, forcing him, you know, all the way underneath the basket, which a couple of times you saw the heat players. They did not feel comfortable going up against him because he was literally right on their hip. So they would go around the basket on the baseline. But the defensive effort on both sides was just off the charts. I absolutely loved what I was seeing. Both teams were trying so hard to keep the other ones out of transition like, so many long passes deflected, loose balls fought for. I mean, I was enjoying every single second of it. And I thought Caleb Martin, I mean, he was really going all out. But after a Jamal Murray right elbow jumper, and you started to see the Nuggets start spamming pick and roll with Murray and Jokic, the Nuggets went up 5, 81-76. Jokic was hooping, Murray was starting to get going. And you started to see a lot from the Miami Heat, a mix of... Of zone and man they were really trying to mix it up and it was you know it was doing a good job of keeping Denver on their toes but right when you thought the game was basically over and Jimmy was gonna just have to face the music he got him back in the game with 13 straight points the first was off a catch-and-shoot three and then he hit a fall-away three got fouled on a three in which I think he kicked his leg out and shouldn't been three should not have been three shots but They reviewed it, and it ended up being called as a three-shot foul. He had 13 straight points, and the Heat took the lead. I thought, oh, my God, is he really about to do this? But Jokic was able to score again after that when they switched Caleb Martin onto him. I thought the Heat at times, you know, it's so sketchy when you have two guys in the deep corner, one guy in the dunker spot, and then one guy just at the top of the key one pass away. When you get the ball to Jokic and you're doubling, that pass is getting a wide-open shot regardless of who you help off of because of how great Jokic is at passing the ball and because of the spacing of the modern NBA. And so when you don't double team right away, Jokic, that's the biggest thing for me of why he was the first center since Shaq to win a championship because you could not switch on him. He would take advantage of anyone that wasn't a center the way it's supposed to be. And that's just one of the many reasons why he was able to break the mold of a center not winning a championship as the best player for 20 plus years. But because of how hard it was to defend that pick and roll slash pick and pop, the Heat started switching a lot towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter. They tried blitzing Murray a little bit, but I think they tried to stay away from that. And you started to see them switch a lot more. And it was getting burned. And when the Heat went up one, Bruce Brown answered with the huge offensive rebound. Aaron Gordon had had Jimmy Butler on him. Kyle Lowry went to go help Jimmy get an offensive rebound and Bruce Brown just took advantage there was nobody on him he went to the basket and scored and that gave them the lead and then the play that really kind of finished everything and that was Jimmy Butler driving to the basket looked like he had gotten a step on Jamal Murray and just like we've seen so many times this series he came to a full stop instead of going up with the runner or going up with the pull up. Maybe Jamal Murray would have blocked the pull-up. I don't know. Butler does have two inches on him But he was doing a good job of just fighting from the rear view and contesting But he could have even tried to go up at Jokic like really strong to try to like Elevate at the rim, but at the same time we haven't seen that same elevation consistently from Jimmy since the injury So I'll give him a pass there But there's no reason he should have jump stopped and pivoted and not shot the ball kicked it out to KCP, who intercepted it, knocked down two huge free throws, and then after that, with 25 seconds left, Jimmy took a contested three over Aaron Gordon that wasn't even close, and the free throws were made to finish the job as the Denver Nuggets win their first NBA championship in NBA history, 94 to 89. They outscored the Heat 24 to 18 in the fourth. Jamal Murray and Jokic were put in the pick and roll time and time again and they stood up to the task every time. And again, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray closed. They were the best closers in every single round against every single team, and they got the job done. What a team. What a champion. Before we get into them, I'm going to read the lines and talk about the Heat for a second. In this game, the Miami Heat only shot 34%. The Nuggets shot 45%. The Heat shot 9 for 35 from 3, 26%. The Nuggets only shot 18. So overall in this series, they did not shoot well from 3. 45% in the field though from Denver, but only 5 for 28 from 3, 18%. And from the foul line, the Nuggets shot terribly. 13 for 23, 56.5%. While the Heat shot 14 for 16, 87.5%. As far as the rebounds, the Nuggets won that battle by 13. They had the same amount of offensive rebounds. But defensive rebounds, 13 more for the Nuggets. They won the rebounding battle 57-44. to As for the turnovers, a rare instance in which the team that won had almost double the amount of turnovers as the losing team, 15 for Denver, 8 for Miami. The Heat led by as many as 10. Nuggets only led by as many as 8. As for the box score for the Heat, and we saw Haywood Highsmith tonight, for 3 minutes, he had a donut, 0 points. Cody Zeller for 1 minute, 0 points, 0 for 1. Kevin Love... I didn't even think he was that bad when he played. Let me know if you think he should have played more. And they weren't even attacking him on D like that. So I honestly don't know why he played so little. Three points, two rebounds, 14 minutes, one for four from the field. All his shots were threes. Gabe Vincent, 22 minutes. He had a rough one. All six of his points came in the second half. But six points on three for 13 shooting. 0 for 4 from 3. After the first two games, he had a really rough series. But I will say this about Vincent. His defense really impressed me all playoffs long, especially for a smaller guard. And then Max Strews, thought he played his heart out tonight. He did not make his three ball. He was 5 for 12 from the field, 1 for 6 from 3, but 12 points, 8 rebounds, 1 block. That was from behind. I thought he was, you know, he fought tonight, and I, I think he went out with his head held high. And then there's Kyle Lowry, who played 34 minutes. His stat line of 4 for 13 doesn't really show how well he played. He was 4 for 9 from 3, 12 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists to go along with 2 steals and a block. I thought Lowry actually had a great finals. His first finals loss, but I think that he could keep his head held high after this postseason. And then Caleb Martin, 10 points, 5 rebounds. I think Jeff Van Gunney said it best. He started out the series kind of slowly, but he ended up, Playing pretty decently in a couple of the last games. He was a team high plus 13 in this game off the bench in 32 minutes. 4 for 9 from the field, but 0 for 4 from 3. Duncan Robinson, just 5 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists on 2 for 6 shooting and 1 for 3 from 3 in 17 minutes of play. He also had 2 blocks, which is pretty impressive for Dunk. And then the other, the big 2. Jimmy, 21 points. Three rebounds, five assists on five for 18 shooting, two for five from three. He did have three steals, but 21 points on five for 18 shooting is absolutely nowhere near enough. An extremely disappointing series from Jimmy Butler. I get he was injured, but this was not playoff Jimmy. He played better in the Celtics series. What I think the key was for Denver is they stayed home and they said, you know what? Let's see how great of a one-on-one player Jimmy Butler really is. Let's see how great he is right now with, you know, having been injured. Can he beat us? Can he average 30? They stayed home on shooters, gave them tougher looks. And Jimmy Butler, his having to go off at two feet so much and having to come to a full stop, it really hurt him. He had very minimal moments where he was stopping on a dime and rising. You saw that a lot going right. In the first round, going left, he never does. He always has to come to a full stop, and you start to see his limited bag. His pump fakes were destroying undisciplined defenders in the first couple of rounds, but when teams started sitting on those pump fakes, you start to see that he was over pump faking, and he was no longer going up strong, and there's no play that you can look at better than that last play where he turned the ball over to KCP. I know he wasn't favored to win this series, but it's absolutely a blemish for Jimmy. He did not play well enough. It was an amazing season and an amazing postseason. He was a top three player in this playoffs, probably the second best, but he did not play well in the finals. There's nothing more to say. And I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. Bam out of bio. I actually thought he had a great finals. I think he had a great finals. Honestly, he can leave with his head held high. I said he averaged to average 20 plus points. He had 20 plus in every single game. Does he need to improve offensively still? Yes, he does. He still gets way too many good looks that he misses. 20 points, 12 rebounds, 9 for 20 from the field. But if you saw the looks that he was getting, he should have shot more than 45%. But Bam out of bio. I think he's a very spectacular player. Defensively, one of the best we've got in the league. But he still has some ways to go offensively. I really don't think he's improved that much skill-wise since the bubble. But let me just say this for Miami. What a special run it was. You have to, you know, give them a hand. Let's all give a hand in the chat for the Miami Heat guys. I mean, it was an amazing run. A team that everybody kind of wrote off, even before the season, saying they lost P.J. Tucker. They're not going to be as good. And look, it looked that way, that they weren't going to be as good. They weren't good in the regular season. Tyler Hero had a huge contract. He ended up starting after being sixth man of the year last year. The role players seemed like they fell off a cliff. They were inconsistent all season. Jimmy Butler started taking over late in the season. He missed a good amount of games. But then in the playoffs, the way they turned it on, starting with that Bucs series, yeah, they got a little bit of luck with Giannis getting hurt. But the way they took advantage of that, they still had no right to win game four and five the way they did with Giannis healthy. Jimmy Butler was just so spectacular in this postseason. He went to new heights, especially in that first round. And the role players, series after series, we said, are they going to come back down to earth? They did in the championship. But to do it three series like that, to beat the Boston Celtics after almost blowing a 3 nothing lead, I mean, it was an awesome run. Eric Spolstra again showed why he's one of the greatest coaches we've had in the game. As far as what they need to do going forward, look, I think Bam needs to put in some work I want you guys to let me know, do you think Jimmy Butler is the number one option on a championship team? Because he's so close, but he's still not convincing at the highest level. And I'm telling people, and I want to keep reiterating this, getting to the championship as the best player is still very different than winning it all as the best player. Because when you win it all as the best player, or should I say, when you get to the finals as the best player, like Jason Kidd did, like Iverson did, You are going to go against someone like this, like a Jokic, like Kobe, like Tim Duncan, like Shaq, like Akeem, like Jordan, like Wilt Chamberlain, like Russell. You're going to go against someone like that. So first of all, every great championship team, more often than not, 99% of them, they start with the guy. And the guy on Denver was just better than the guy on Miami. Can Jimmy Butler really outplay someone in the championship? Because more often than not, the team with the best player, if the supporting cast are somewhat even, the team with the best player usually wins. But these supporting casts weren't that even. So I'm not going to say that about Miami. It was a long shot for them to win. We saw in game four who the best team really was. But as for Miami, they need one more guy that can get a bucket. To what degree, I don't know. Now, if you're a Heat fan, is Tyler Hero that guy? Because it seemed like they played better basketball without Hero. Their defense got better. They were running through stuff more through Jimmy. You saw Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry have great postseasons. Um, but I think Max Struce would be better off the bench. I think he's a solid player, but I think he'd be better off the bench. As far as Gabe Vincent, I'm not particularly sure. I think he can honestly start. The ideal person for this team is like a Dame Lillard or a Kyrie Irving or a Shea Gilgis Alexander. But I don't think these guys are coming through the door. So let me know what you think. But I don't know if Miami's going to get back here. I really don't. But it was a successful season for them for sure. Now for the champs. Let's read the stat line before we give them their flowers. Nine-man rotation, Jeff Green only played five minutes, four points on two-for-two two shooting. Was getting lit up by Bam for his stretch. Christian Brown, 24 minutes played, seven points, three rebounds on 2 of 4 shooting. His defense, his effort, it was just contagious. His athleticism was on full display all series long. Bruce Brown, while he didn't shoot the ball well, four-for-14 and 0-for-5 from three, constant huge plays, none bigger than the offensive rebound to give the Nuggets the lead, a lead in which they would never relinquish. 90 to 89, 10 points and six boards for him. He was just incredible all postseason long. Every team needs someone like Bruce Brown that does all the dirty work. And then DeAndre Jordan even getting three minutes. Don't worry, I'm gonna get into the flowers in a sec. Then the starters, all who went, all of whom played 29 minutes or more. Aaron Gordon had four points and seven rebounds on one for six shooting, 0 for two from three. It was probably his worst game of the series. But guess what? If you think Aaron Gordon didn't contribute to this game tonight, you weren't watching because defensively, he is stellar, and he did a great job on Jimmy Butler all series long, did a great job on LeBron James all series long, did a great job on Kevin Durant all series long, Anthony Edwards, you name it, he did it, and every single championship team needs that guy that's going to guard the best player, and he was that for this Denver Nuggets team, and did a little bit more offensively, taking advantage of smaller guys when the heat switched throughout the series. And then I said it in the last episode, MPJ was due for one, and he performed on the biggest stage tonight. A double-double for the man out of Missouri. 16 points, 13 rebounds on 7-for-17 shooting. He was 1-for-6 from 3, but he was 6-for-11 from 2, finding other ways to contribute. And then KCP, 11 points, four rebounds four for 10 from the field one for five from three but some huge steals at the end two steals and three blocks for kcp who had maybe the best season of his entire career and then jamal murray it wasn't an in-your-face game from him but you best believe he made big shots when they counted and he played good d 14 points eight rebounds Eight assists. It wasn't a zero turnover game for him tonight. He had six of them, actually. Six for 15 from the field. Two for seven from three in 41 minutes. And then, of course, the player of the game. The Finals MVP. The best player in the world. The best center since Shaq. Nikola Jokic. 28 points. 16 boards. Only four assists. As I said, they stayed home a lot. Even when he had a smaller guy on him and they got burned because the Joker... Shot 75% from the field tonight, 12 for 16, 1 for 3 from deep, which means that he was 11 for 13 from 2. He was also only 3 for 5 from the line, so he was 60% there. But he did what he needed to do, and he closed the game like the best player in the world does. Where do I begin with the Nuggets? I said all season long they were the only great team in the West. I was confident they'd make it out of the West, but I was not confident they'd win the chip. And the main reason was because I didn't know how Jokic and Murray would hold their own defensively. And boy, were they more than decent defensively. They were good. Jokic showed that with good point of attack defenders and good defenders around him, he could be smart enough with whatever the scheme was, be physical, be strong. He was not overpowered by any big, and he was not abused in the pick and roll for even a quarter. You know, for stretches of quarters, but not even a quarter. Was he really abused in the pick and roll? Jamal Murray was targeted series after series. And time and time again, he was able to show that he could stay on the court and not really get too abused, not too far into foul trouble. And I'll tell you this, the other guys around them, The defense was just so much better than advertised throughout the regular season, and today, let this be a lesson to all of us, including myself, that in today's NBA, where the regular season is not what it once was in terms of importance, we shouldn't look too far in to the defensive rating and rely more on the eye test. I'm being dead serious, because when you play these shitty-ass teams, some teams take nights off. But my eye test never said that the Nuggets weren't good enough to win the championship. I only said that because of the defensive rating. And I, again, let stats interfere with my eyes. I really did. And I always say my eyes seem to never lie to me over the course of my life. The stats don't tell the full story. Do your does, Is your eye test flawless? No, it's not. But I trust my eye test more than some stats. I really do. And the Nuggets had great defensive personnel. In the playoffs, it's different when you can scheme. But you got to give credit to the supporting cast. Because Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, at best, they're solid defenders. I would even say you can consider them good, maybe. I'd say they're pretty good. They're solid. Nothing crazy. Jokic is not a good rim protector at all. But he's just good. As I said earlier, he's good at knowing angles, being physical, using his body well, and making himself big. And he also has really good hands, I will say. That's something we saw a lot in this series. But, you know, I have a conviction. If your two best players don't guard... You won't win the chip. That was not the case with Denver. So they, they didn't, that's not a stereotype they disproved. They showed they were better at defense than everybody thought. So I will say this. I thought an Eastern Conference team would beat them because I thought they would be better defensively. And there was no team that was as good as them. Um, an extremely well-coached team. I love Michael Malone. I think he had so much fire, so much passion. He'd been with this organization for a while. I still remember when the Sacramento Kings fired him after DeMarcus Cousins like missed the stretch of games and they just randomly fired him. He's a great team. Um, wait, hold on one second. Let me see something real quick, gentlemen and ladies. Um, let me see some real quick. Oh, never mind. The Nuggets had the fourth highest defensive rating in the, in the, oh, that was in the playoffs. See what I was on the regular season. Oh, in the regular season, they were fourth too. Were they? Nah, they weren't. There we go. 15th. 15th. Phoenix plays Z. I don't know what you're talking about. So they were 14th in the league in defensive rating in the regular season, but, or 15th. But they showed up to the party in the playoffs. That's for sure, and so yeah, yeah, I was right about it in my initial statement. Don't try to fucking skew my statements about stats because you like stats. That's the facts. In the playoffs, that's a different total. You're two different seasons, my friend. You can't put those together. So, yeah, the Nuggets guarded well in the playoffs, but in the regular season, that's what I'm saying. You can't take those numbers to the bank. So anyway, let's just say this. Let's just say this. Back on topic, Michael Malone, great coach, so much fire, was fired. Um unfairly by Sacramento and the way he stuck with this team. And I have to say, man, for a team to win their first championship, it does get me a little emotional because I dream of the Clippers winning one day and like what I would even do. And you know what's funny about Denver is they've never been that close to actually winning a ring. So it doesn't feel like they've had the same heartbreak that like the Phoenix Suns have had, for example. It's crazy the Nuggets won before the Suns because the Suns have been so close in so many different decades. The first time the Nuggets went to the championship, they won. And it's just because you know the Nuggets don't get free agents. So they had to draft a player, and they drafted two players. I mean, that's what's the best part about it. Three straight years, we've had a Finals MVP that was drafted by their team. I love that. Building through the draft. None of this super team bullshit building through the draft with two amazing players, and it starts with that one. Everything starts with that one. And what we have on our hands is one of the great players to play the game, and I'm going to give you a hot take right here. And you know I don't do this. My fans and subscribers know I don't do this. But as of tonight, and it's arguable. Let me make that clear. It's arguable. I'm taking him over Ewing. I'm taking him over the Chuckster. I'm taking him over Kevin Durant. I said it. I'm taking him over Kevin Garnett. I'm taking him over Dirk. And I'm taking him over Giannis. And I'm taking him over Robinson. And Willis Reed. And Dave Cowens. I'm taking him over all those guys. Is that top 15? I don't have a list. But I am taking him over all those. This playoff run by Jokic was absolutely insane. The last three years were amazing. And as I mentioned in the last episode, the Denver Nuggets. I have never seen a champion Destroy every single fucking lame ass narrative out the door. I've never seen them a team like that. All season long, they were considered pretenders by the masses. So many people say they were pretenders, their defense wasn't good enough, they're just like Utah. How disrespectful to the great Nikola Jokic talking about, oh, he didn't make it to the conference final since the bubble. He had no co star, and you expected him to beat those teams. That was insane. And let's not disrespect Jamal Murray anymore. The first season he came back from an ACL injury. This man won a championship as the clear-cut second-best player, and he was phenomenal. 21-10 and 10 in the finals. That's 10 assists. He was incredible. All playoffs long. He went, no more bubble Murray. This is playoff Murray or Jamal Murray, an NBA champion. And as a Clipper fan, I know better than anyone how great this team is. So there is a little bit of satisfaction that we've been getting beaten by a team that had championship potential. If we're going to lose to anybody, I'm losing to a great team that I respect. That pick and pop with Murray and Jokic is unguardable. Their offense is insane. And finally, 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 We have a big that proved my point. The center can still win a Chip as the best player. Yes. First one since Shaq. Bro, I was three years old when Shaq won his third finals MVP. I have never seen a center be the best player on a championship team. This is a special moment for me and a lot of basketball fans. The big man is coming back. And I'm going to tell you why he was able to win it. And he wasn't even that great of a defender. He was good at best. But I'll tell you this. He can post up is number one. He took advantage of every smaller defender that was put on him throughout the playoffs. First, you need a center that will take advantage of every mismatch who won 't waste possessions. Then you need a center that can pass out of double teams and then the cherry on top of the sundae, which is probably what you need to be the best to be a center that 's the best part of a championship team now is being lethal in that screen and roll slash pick and pop. And that's what gave Jokic the ability to be so involved in an offense in the modern NBA that's not just dump it down to the big. Because as I said, just dump it down to the big is not going to be a thing anymore. They love the pick and roll, the spread pick and roll. And with Jokic as a pick and pop man that's capable of doing so many things, whether it be slipping on the pick and roll, or when Murray gets blitzed, and that's what helps Jokic so much, is Murray's ability to shoot the ball and be so lethal in the the in-between game, you have to throw two defenders on Murray for a second. That lets Jokic carve teams apart, and they're cutting their size in the front court with MPJ, with Aaron Gordon, and guys that guard around those two. It was just a match made in heaven. The best European player ever. I'd take him over Dirk. I really would. I think he impacts the game more. And I think individually his run was more impressive. You can argue that the Mavericks' run was more impressive from the fact that the odds that they overcame. But it's funny how Denver really got no respect throughout the season and they just shut everybody up. And it's great to see a smaller market win. I know Denver's not that small, but it's great to see a smaller market win. And as I said, with the best second-round draft pick ever, 41st pick in the draft. And they did it with two players they drafted you got to love that. And, man, I feel for all the Denver Nuggets fans. Shout-out to my man Swiper who joined us for two episodes in the postseason. I know he's probably getting lit right now. Um, but I'm so happy for the Denver fan, the community, because it's always great to see a team win their first chip. They've been around for a while, man. This was for Mello, for Alex English, for Dan Issel, for the ABA guys, George Carl even. I mean, what a moment for the Colorado uh, – the state of Colorado – Two chips in a row. Avalanche winning last year. Denver Nuggets winning this year. Broncos winning seven years ago. And how about Moneybag Stan, who, by the way, is too old. He was literally talking in Lisa Salter's ear instead of in the microphone. But Moneybag Stan could have won four titles in two years. My Rams won. Shout out to Moneybag Stan for that. My Rams won last year. The Avalanche won last year. The Nuggets won this year. And Arsenal were this close to winning the Prem. Oh my God, he is winning lately, Moneybag Stan. But I'm just so thankful to have witnessed the greatness of Jokic in this run. Everybody's, he led the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. They said that that made LeBron the GOAT, uh, leading the finals in every stat. They said that made him the GOAT. Jokic done it in every category in the whole playoffs. Does that make him the GOAT? No, it doesn't. So that means get fucking smarter, you dumbass LeBron fans. But it's so funny to see how Jokic dominated. What a beast. And here's the thing about Jokic. I was on the bandwagon late in 2016 when I saw him torch us at Staples Center. Hitting threes, great passing. I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's going to be an all-star. But never did I think he'd be the best player in the world. This is the first time in my life that a white guy is the best player in the world. And I have to say it feels a little bit uncomfortable if you ask me. I don't know how to think. I don't know how to feel about it. But, man, I'm just thankful to be witnessing such a special player. Such an unselfish player. The celebration was so great. But it's so funny. He seems like he does not even care. He's like, I just want to go back home. Like, I wish he was a little more enthusiastic. He is behind, like, the scenes. Like, he threw Murray in the pool. But, like, in front of the fans, I just wish he was a little bit more boisterous. After the game, he just shook everyone's hand right away. He's a class act, I will say, but... It was really cool to see Jamal Murray crying like that. But Jokic, he disproved so many bullshit narratives. The third straight MVP thing because he hasn't won in the playoffs. No one can say anything about him now. Nothing. He wasn't good enough defensively to win a ring. He did it. But Jamal Murray, to come back from that ACL injury, people who were obsessed with the regular season, not realizing how good this guy was, what a player, how clutch he was. I mean, I have no other things to say about him. A true, bona fide second player on a championship team. And here's the thing. Jokic is like 27. Murray's even younger. This team could be the next dynasty. Who knows? But the thing is, the new CBA, it's going to make it that much harder for teams to build dynasties. So we'll just see how that goes. But I like Bruce Brown, for example, he's going to get the bag. And I don't know. I'm going to say this about, um, what's it called? Bruce Brown. He was unbelievable. Throughout the playoffs, his effort going for loose balls, guarding just about anybody, his rebounding, his offensive rebounding, his fast break finishing, the way he would attack closeouts. I mean, he was just phenomenal. He earned this this championship. And then you got guys like Aaron Gordon. He may not have had the hype out of Arizona, but as I said earlier, you need those guys who are going to guard the best players. He did that to a T. His size took advantage of mismatches, and the way he bought in, he was Jeremy Grant's replacement. Jeremy Grant, this could have been you, buddy. This could have been you. Aaron Gordon took the shine, and he was phenomenal. And then there's Michael Porter, who bought into a role. Yeah, he took some tough shots throughout the playoffs, but he didn't do enough. He didn't do negative things, you know. He played... The main thing about MPJ's growth to me is that he was able to defend and stay locked in and doing all the little things. Um, He was able to do all the little things even when his shots weren't falling. And in this series, he had games where his shots weren't falling, but he did every single little thing. So I got to have given him a lot of credit for that. And then who else am I forgetting? Christian Brown? This guy's a winner. National Championship of Kansas last year. And then this year coming up with the chip. I mean the guy is just a winner. And then how about my former Clippers, Jeff Green who was a Clipper for half a season. I'm happy for him. He's had a you know, an amazing story, heart surgery, had a long career. And I'll say this about Jeff Green, even though Nuggets fans like really hated on him at times throughout this season and playoffs. He had some moments with athleticism that he showed. I was like, "Man, he still got some bounce." And he was able to give Some relief minutes in those small ball minutes and one thing about this postseason for denver is the non-jokic minutes weren't that bad at all and you have to give a lot of credit to jamal murray aaron gordon and even jeff green at times as well but how about deandre jordan winning a chip before blake griffin and cp go dj go dj oh i'm happy for him and how about how about you already know where i'm going you already know where I'm going. Jackson on the drive, kicks what was that? Jackson on the drive, kicks One more time. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. He sat his ass on that bench, but he got a ring. Reggie Jackson, congratulations. NBA champion. And also Busy Bones Highland's going to end up getting a ring, but You know, I don't know how I feel about those guys getting rings, but what a story, what a season, what a team, an honorary champion. They beat every team basically fully healthy. Okay, Chris Paul was injured, big fucking whoop. Even the Suns would have won, nah. You could say Jimmy was a little injured as well, but you need some luck to win a ring, and the Nuggets were blessed with health this season. That's one thing you always have to account for. The Nuggets were blessed with health, and you need luck to win a ring, and they did it. Before I end off tonight, I want to first say congrats to the Denver Nuggets and all their fans. But I also want to thank my fans. The loyal Dime Dropper fam. We made a comeback this year, man. Last year was tough. I had 100 view videos in the playoffs. Um, I barely hit a a 1,000 views on some videos. And with Kawhi coming back, with the Lakers doing better, you guys came around. But like the people that have stuck with me through the tough days, Raid, Edward, uh, June 28th, July, Fabian, Showtime Nick, Phoenix Play Z, um, who's another one I'm forgetting, Kyle Dominic U, KP, I mean, anyone that I'm forgetting, I apologize, but the unwa- Ernie, the unwavering loyalty, Vlad, DL2, all these guys, man, Kelly, that support me throughout the year, and the ones that support me even when I don't make Clipper and Laker videos, that's those that that's what means the most. Because there's a reason that this channel is not called Clip Dropper. It's called Dime Dropper. Because I'm a fan of the game more than, you know. It's Clippers second, but the love of the game is first. I didn't start loving basketball because I love the Clippers. I love the Clippers because I love basketball. And I thoroughly enjoy talking about every playoff game. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm exhausted. I'm relieved that the season is over. I went live basically every night of the playoffs. I gave a breakdown on every single playoff game but three. Game four and five of the Minnesota-Denver series and game four of the Nets series. I have a post game on every single other game of this postseason. They're all in a folder so you guys can all go back and see what I was saying in the moment. And for a second, it's also for me, my own receipts to have on myself throughout the years to see what I was saying in the moment. All my shitty takes, all my good takes. But man, it's just not possible without you guys, the fans, the supporters who are sometimes in these lives at 3 a.m. in your local time coming from all over the world. The Philippines, Germany, Tokyo, Japan, and then all over the United States, Canada. I mean, I got the best supporters in the world. Brazil, shout out to Bernardo. New York City, shout out to my man, All Ball. Can't forget about him. Uh, Turbo. Guys... I don't know what to tell you, but I'm so eternally grateful. I don't take these seasons for granted. This is my third season doing this. I got the best supporters in the world. Um, I really appreciate this, man. I really do. From the bottom of my heart, all the money you guys donated to me. Um, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful to have this kind of base, and we're going to keep growing it. This season, we hit 6,000 on Twitter, 1,000 on Instagram, and 4,000 on YouTube. I want 5,000 so bad, but I really want that million. And I'm not going to stop until I get it. Nothing will fucking stop me. Because for me, this is not, as I always say, it's not just a passion. It's not just something I love. It's a lifelong obsession. The game has given me so much and it continues to always give. Whether that be NBA, the physical basketball in my hands, and the friendships I've made through this beautiful game. I owe my life in many ways to this game. I really do. And it's just a pleasure to be doing this and having the support that I have from my people behind the scenes, Fabian, my sister, Lucas, TC, um, and all my friends. Um, I don't know what else to say. The Hoop Spaces family, Clipper Nation, Laker Nation, and Dime Dropper fam. That's it for me this season, guys. I appreciate you all. The playlists are all there so you guys can revisit all my videos. But don't, you, don't think I'm going anywhere. There ain't no off-season for me. Finally, I get to do what I love. The history of the game. The historic timeline. We shall continue starting next week. A new video every single week. And I'm going to be going live once a week uh, to talk about free agency. Or giving my rankings of positions now after the season's over. I will be live at least once a week. I'll be posting a video once a week. And I'm going to be trying to get major... I wouldn't say major, but a lot of guests on the show. But I need a favor from you guys, and that's to keep supporting, man. To keep supporting even when the season's not on. Because when the season's not on, everybody seems to go away. And then I just – my algorithm goes down. I don't get the same amount of views. And I just – I don't know, man. I just like – I want to keep the views, man. You guys got to keep the momentum going in this offseason. I'm telling you, you guys always ask me about all-time this, all-time that. If you really want to become more hip in these discussions, please watch the videos that I'm laying out for you, breaking down film of the old players in chronological order. We are seeing the story of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I am showing it to you. I am giving you all the links to all the games that I'm watching so you can do what I do if you want. If you really care that much about these GOAT conversations, if you're such a LeBron fan or you're such an MJ fan or Kobe or, or an NBA fan and you want to know, I'm trying my best, guys. And this offseason, I'm going to really try my best. I know in the last two offseasons, I've said I'm going to make a lot of progress and I've been bullshitting. Forgive me. I've been blinded by the headlights. Um, you, can, you can do the interpretation of that yourself. But that's it for me tonight, guys, and this season. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Peace. P.S. Shout out to my man Showtime Nick. Jamal Murray was the pick that the Nuggets got from New York in the mellow trade, so safe to say who won that deal in the long run. Congratulations to the Nuggets again. I just realized I didn't mention Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who now has two championships as a starter. Shout out to KCP, man. He earned the fuck out of these rings. Big time. Great role player. And also, shout out to Serbia. And shout out Novak Djokovic. 23rd Grand Slam.